Okay, so today I'd like to talk about something that we've talked about talking about for a while, yeah. which is <laughs> we really got to talk about team management. I am in need of actually knowing how to do this. I think that this is something that is kind of common, though, which is that we're we're probably in an age where more people who started as entrepreneurs are building teams than ever before. I don't really think that was a very easy thing to do. If you wanted to work on a team, you would work for a corporation. And if you wanted to build a team, you would make a corporation. But now, if you want to scale something, you can easily hire one or two people if it makes sense. And then if that's working, you could easily hire one or two more people. Right. And people that do that don't necessarily have the like wherewithal to manage them or know the tools to manage them. And I think that probably becomes very frustrating. And I experienced that myself a few years ago when I was running a creative team in Tampa. I tried to implement team tools four or five times and failed every time because I didn't really know exactly what I was trying to get at. Sure. I was just trying to kind of put my brain on other people and say, well, this is the task manager that I use. Can we all use it, please? And the answer more often than not was, no, we can't. <laughs> We're all going to forget to look at it. You're going to be there typing up tasks for every person, and it's not going to be actually helpful. But there has to be better ways. And there's freaking dozens of apps and web apps specifically made for team productivity. And I think that that can be confusing too, figuring out what to use in the sea of tools. So I say all that to say, Joe, how's team management been going for you? Interesting, I guess. Okay, would be, okay. <laughs> would be the way to start that. Mm. Let me preface this with some of the intent behind this because I think the way that you come at team management you know, if you're sitting in that CEO position, like the way that you approach it has a lot to do with what you're wanting the business to accomplish and how, like what, what you feel like your role in that needs to be. Right. Because for me, like with Procourse, one of the things that I'm trying to get it to is the point where I have people who are doing the client management side of things for me on the, the one-off projects and such, such that I can get away from you know, doing the client calls and doing the client follow-ups and, you know, getting people on the projects and all of that. I'm trying to get away from that so that I can do the bigger picture stuff and build infrastructure for like long-term services and such. So that's kind of a strategic pointing that I'm working on. And the reason I bring that up is because that means that when I build systems for our team, it has to have the ability for someone else to jump in and take over like communication. I can't just use my email because if I do that, now I have to grant somebody else access to my email in order to pick up client communication. Like that's not going to be a clean process. So you have to think about all those little details ahead of time. Right. I don't know that we have it nailed down but one of the things that's kind of a keystone feature that we work around is that we do project management on a team structure but we don't do task management on it because of the exact thing that you mentioned drew like everybody has their own way of doing it everyone wants to do it a different way and if i say you should all use omnifocus that's not gonna go over well or if we say we're all going to use Asana, like people aren't going to 
they're not going to resonate with that real well. So you have to focus on, you know, how do I how do I manage the the project level with everybody and continue to keep things moving on that side of things instead of going as fine grained as what specific task is it you're working on? Because everybody has a different definition of what all that is. So what you're saying, the difference there is that you can have some kind of system that manages the projects. So project for X client, project for Y client, but you don't have a management system for tasks like Jeff, comma, does this for project X because... He needs his own system for that. You need your own system for that. Right, right. And essentially what it means is we need a communication tool. So when you when you really break it down, like we need to be able to communicate in two different ways. One, I need to be able to do like immediate. Like you know, someone has an issue, we're trying to debug it. I've got a server that's down and, we, and two of us need to work on it at the same time. So we either need to be on a phone call or we need to be in a chat room of sorts so that we can be working back and forth immediately to get through that. So that would be step one. Step two would be we've got this project we're working on for client A. Whenever we go to work on that, I need to spec it to help them figure out what it is that that project is. I've got resources, designs, files, all of that that needs to be shared back and forth. That level of communication needs to happen as well. So to me, that means I need two different tools, one for immediate and one for the the asynchronous, the offline sort of thing, so we can communicate the bigger picture stuff. But at the same time, you also have to have kind of that bigger picture around clients themselves, almost like a CRM. Right. So that whole CRM world, like I need something along those lines because it's very common for me to have multiple projects moving for the same client all at once. Mm. And... I segment those two off within one tool. So I guess just to kind of jump into tools here, um, what we use for the project level, uh, surprise, surprise, we use discourse for that. So that's what our business builds on. We've just learned that whenever I create a new topic in discourse, so discourse being forum software, whenever I build a new topic in there, that topic is essentially a project. And I have the ability to assign that project to somebody. We can, you know, put dates on it and due dates and such. But all of the information that I get from the client about that has to go in there. And anytime there's a big question of, you know, they want to change this editor. Right. How do we do that? (laughs) So, you know, those questions, that's where those types of things come up. And I can jump in and out of those particular conversations about those specific projects. But then I also have the ability to tag them such that we can say, okay, well, this project's done, or this one's a potential. So every time I have a call with somebody and spec a project, whether it's a go or not, I'm going to be putting it into that system. Mm -hmm. And we have our own flagging and tagging structure that lets us know which ones are goes and which ones are maybes, which ones are paid, which ones aren't. Like All of that I have ways of tracking. But... All of the project management and all of the the client relationship stuff is managed in that discourse instance, which is kind of out there for some people. Using discourse. Yeah, because you know, it's, it's using discourse in a somewhat unconventional way because discourse is forum software. Right. Like that, that's strange <laughs> to think of using it in a different way like that. So discourse for you instead of Slack is the chosen communication platform. That's right. Well, for asynchronous. Okay. So 
whenever it's big picture, what's going on with this project and maintaining a conversation about a specific project, that's when we use discourse. So maybe a better equivocation is that you're using discourse instead of, say, Basecamp. Is that right? Yeah, Basecamp would probably be the good correlation there because I, I feel like whenever people use Basecamp, they do something similar. But the trick there is that with Basecamp, a lot of times people are using it for task level mm, tracking, right? which we don't do. I mean, I build checklists of things that need done, but it's pretty high level. Like I need a setting for this plugin that does this. It's kind of like a mini sub project that's within that. So I'll have checklists within those projects but the tasks themselves, like go write code that does this, like I don't do that. Gotcha. Like that's that's up to the developer to figure out how to do that. I know another way that many people have this kind of asynchronous stuff is Trello, but you're not interested in something like Trello? Uh, you know, I, I thought about Trello. The trick is that I would really need to build a separate board for every project with that. And just for example, like right now, I think we have, I think it's 32 projects that are moving at once right now. And that would work, I guess. I mean, we could have conversations around Trello on that. But the 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 nice thing here is that what we do is we build on top of discourse. So I know by default that every person I'm going to bring on board has experience with discourse and they already know how to use it. Hmm. Like that's that's the beauty of that is yeah. everyone that I'm going to hire in some way or another, I'm not going to bring them on unless they have experience with discourse. So by default, we have a tool that we all know how to use. So it only makes sense to use that. And, you know, everybody knows all the nuances of how to set it up and communicate with it. So they don't have to learn something extra just to figure out what the projects are and how they operate. So there's a little bit of a, an advantage there, but, you know, something like Trello, like Yes, that would work. It can get kind of messy whenever you start bringing in the client relationship stuff just because I do link back to all those other topics and and tie them all together. But that's getting into the weeds a little bit. How many of the people that are on the platform are like part-time? I guess technically everybody. Do you think there's a difference between the way that you would work with part-time people and full-time people? Yeah, probably because with the way that we're doing it, Like there's a set amount of time that everybody has to devote to doing these projects in a week. And it's up to them to manage how they go about spending those hours in the week to get the work done. Like, are they going to do it all on Monday? Are they going to spread it out throughout the week? You know, those types of questions are not for me to get involved. Sometimes I'll have things where I need this in two days. Like that stuff does happen or I need this tomorrow. That sort of stuff does come up. And I'll communicate that in there. But whenever they're doing their pieces, like, yeah, I guess we could do things differently and say, you know, this is going to be salary basis and I just want this job done. But the trick is that I don't know that we're always going to have that amount of work. So it's hard for us to say, yes, everyone's going to have 40 hours a week and we're going to operate at that level all the time. I just don't know that our structure holds up for that just because of the freelance client relationship you know how how you manage clients uh or how they come to you it's all just very fluid because of the nature of the business so 
I, I think it would probably operate differently. You know, if everyone was a full-time employee, it would probably operate a little bit differently. But I think the overall structure would be the same. Like from a tools basis, we would probably still operate the same. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think that the real trick of this all is trying to find a system that it just fits in your mind. Because the difference between Basecamp Discourse and Trello are that they are entirely different structures of mentally picturing projects and tasks. And I think that that the dilemma is that the way that a project fits in your mind is not the way it fits in my mind, is not the way that it fits in someone else's mind. So finding a system or a platform that can work for everybody is a lot trickier than it sounds because you might have somebody come along that doesn't really understand the flow of the platform and then things start kind of falling through the cracks. So I appreciate what you're saying, which is basically don't rely on it too heavily. Just use it for the big picture stuff because anybody can use it for the big picture stuff. It's when you start really getting granular with it and forcing people to get equally granular that I think some issues start arising. Yeah, for sure. Because I know like with... And there's another tool here that I'll get into here in a minute. But so with Discourse, what we're doing is, like you're saying, big picture stuff. You can, I mean, if I really wanted to, we could go another level down with it. But to your point, like, you know, everybody's got their own way of doing it. But it's it's really just a communication tool. Like, to me, this is where a lot of companies, especially when they're first starting out, tend to get into the weeds. Like, they tend to want to track everything to the nines. And I don't know that that's the right path. Exactly. Maybe I'm not doing it right. <laughs> Maybe that's the the flaw here in how I'm doing this. But to me, it's like we need a way to talk to each other. And there are things that we need to work on. And I just need to segment those conversations in a way that is understandable and easy to follow. So to us, that made sense to, or at least I guess to me, it made sense to just use discourse since we all knew it. And we can use that for team conversations. And there are some sub-conversations that happen in there as well. Like, let's just talk about how this team operates. Like, how do we name things? Like, those conversations can happen within the flow of our project conversations. Uh, But it's easy to segment those off. But at the same time, you know, like I was talking earlier, like, sometimes there are cases where a server goes down or I'm trying to get a demo server running or we're trying to get a deployment done and there's two or three of us operating on it at the same time. Well, something like Discourse, yes, you could do it there, but it's not conversation that really needs to stick around long-term. It's not something you're ever going to go follow up on, and it's not as instant, I guess. So what we tend to use for that is uh, a Slack alternative because Discourse is open-source software, so pretty much all the tools that we tend to use are open-source if we can. And in this case, what we're using is Rocket Chat, which is basically just a Slack alternative, but it's open-source. We can install it on our own servers. Uh, we're developers, so <laughs> we get it to do whatever we want. But that Rocket Chat serves as an instant messaging platform for us. And you know, there's a lot of... Uh, you know non-work related conversations that tend to happen there which is kind of nice but that's kind of how we do the instant piece whenever we need to have conversations quick back and forth or just quick questions about how something works that's not a specific project um, that we're pointing to so those happen there which is 
super helpful just to have some of that segmentation. At the same time, some people would see that that's really kind of confusing. Like, how do you manage what you put where? Like, when do you put a conversation on Rocket Chat versus when do you put it on Discourse? Mm. I can't say we've had that problem. You know, it, sometimes people will post something on the Discourse and then ping me on the Rocket Chat and say, hey, I posted this. I need something quick on this. Um, so that happens. But I can't say it's really been an issue. You know, it's been more of, if it's long-term or big picture, we post it on the discourse. But if it's something that needs an immediate response, we post it on the rocket chat. So it seems to work. Have you ever heard of the book Tyranny of the Urgent? Mm, I've heard that title. I can't place the details around it, though. It's a book that I read a long time ago that really helped me think about how to manage a team well. Basically, the entire crux of the book is that we all, when it comes to tasks and strategy and projects, basically have this four-panel grid, which is urgent, not urgent, important, not important. I think this is what what are the they tend to call it the Eisenhower matrix. The urgent takes way more precedent in our life than the important, and that our goal is to worry about stuff that's both important and urgent, but worry more about stuff that's important and not urgent than stuff that is urgent but not important. And I I bring that up because I feel like that that's something that a good project management system can solve, but it's also something that a bad project management system can like enhance. Yeah. Because when everything feels urgent, everybody is running around trying to put out fires or trying to check off task boxes and they're not actually getting the important work done. But when you have a system that really surfaces the stuff that is truly important, that stuff does get done and it gets done quicker than the stuff that is urgent but not important. And I do feel like when I've been a part of systems where every little thing is meticulously detailed and given deadlines and have little red angry flags or explanation points next to each task that I don't know how to look at that and say, okay, this is what needs to be done today because it's important. Instead, I just say, how much of this can I get done? Because it all feels so urgent and scary that it needs to get done quickly. So I like systems that get rid of that cruft, I think, because of how our brains work. I think our brains are so task-oriented to begin with that once you start putting it all out there, it just makes things more confusing. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, that's a lot of what we're trying to get rid of. There's a lot of things that could be put into any of these systems that I feel aren't helpful. Like, I avoid putting dates on projects as much as I possibly can. The only time I use those is when... You know, the client has a release or a deployment that's happening and we're trying to get something accomplished by that deadline. Like, but those are pretty rare mm. anymore. Usually they're all subjective dates and they're like, well, let's do it in two weeks. Well, we'll try. <laughs> like, that's that's, that's kind of how I tend to do things. Again, maybe that's just bad management. I don't know. But I try to avoid some of the extra stuff because I don't want it to get cluttered. I know that that stuff can get to be... It can get out of hand and quickly. So I'm trying to keep things as focused on finish the project versus letting all the other stuff get in the way. Like that's, But that's not easy to do. No, it's not. It certainly isn't. 
for me, and we talked about this last episode very briefly, I feel like for what I have going on in my life right now, um, specifically with the coffee shop, I don't need really many tools at all because the amount of tasks and the amount of communication necessary is so low flow that it's not that big of a deal. So instead of using something like Slack, well, I certainly don't need like a project management system sure. for part-time baristas. That's not helpful. But I don't even think I need a Slack because something like a Slack, you know, it's an additional thing that people have to keep on their phones and check and blah, blah, blah. So all I think I need is an iMessage thread with everybody in it. Everybody miraculously has iPhones. I guess if one of them didn't have an iPhone, I'd have to reevaluate, but iPhones have won the war for young baristas, it seems, which I'm very happy about. Yep. We just have a single group thread, and every time that we have something that's important, we just put it in there, and everybody sees it and usually uses those little things, which I never use them. I don't know what they're even called. Oh, I think they're called tapbacks. Do you ever use those tapbacks in iMessage threads where you get to like put a thumbs up on a message? Oh, sure. Yeah, I've done those before. Only with certain people, though, who understand them. Yeah, I never, ever use them. I don't really know anyone that uses them, but I now understand their appeal, which is in a group thread like this, where everybody doesn't want to say, yes, got it, cool, understood, whatever. You know, that'd be really annoying to have 12 of those. Right. But instead, everybody can just put a little thumbs up on the message to make it understood that they they read it, they understood it, they're good with it. Yep. And for me, that's really all I need because all I needed was a way to communicate things that are important to everybody at once and make sure that everyone's on the same page. And that's it. And I think that more stuff can be done in such a simple setting than people think can be done. You know, like I know some people who every time they have a project that requires three people, they want to open up a new Slack channel or open up a new Slack entirely and, you know, make you join it and add every project to it and create a Trello system for it. And it just feels over the top for something that could really easily be communicated back and forth in, in a very simple method. And I think that what ends up happening is all of those systems create this huge amount of weight and sometimes even pressure that is not pleasant. It doesn't feel great to have that. Whereas a simple method of communicating back and forth, especially if you have less than a dozen people, is more often than not all that you really need. I think a lot of people who are in the role of building these systems like what you're talking about people want to set up the slack team and they want to set up all these things you know a lot of times it's because they have aspirations of being big enough that that's what they need Mm. they think they're big enough that they need all of that but when it really comes down to it like unless like the reason we have the discourse and the rocket chat is because you know half of our team is halfway around the world so the only way that we're going to communicate is through some digital tool of some sort. We don't see each other. I don't see any of my team in person on a weekly basis ever. Like that just doesn't happen. And in your case with people being international, something like a rocket chat would be better anyways, because people can kind of set their own system for when they check it. Correct. Because I would not want to be sending an iMessage to somebody when I knew it was 3 a.m. their time. Right. Or even 9 p.m. their time. So there, of course, you know, as soon as these little factors start getting in there, you might need to upgrade the kind of tool you're using. Right. 
which, you know, and that's what we're doing because of the international nature of it. I mean, it's a little bit different game. But a lot of times, you know, founders and startup folks, like, they, they want to use all these tools because in their mind they have so much going on. They have they have a need for managing it at that level. But I think a lot of it has to do with people just like building with these tools and they like setting up systems. Like, people just like building systems, it seems like. And although that's fun... Like, I don't think that's necessarily the right move. Like, I, I find myself setting up systems such that the business can get to the point where it runs on its own, and then I can step away and maybe I go work for, you know, a, a different business that I spin up or with someone else on a different project and continue managing Procourse from a CEO stance, but not on a day-to-day basis. Like, that's kind of my goal there, but... That means that all of the systems I need to put in place need to fit the size of the company right now, which is quite small. So we don't need tons and tons of communication tools and project trackers and such. Like We don't need that because I can just see it on a day-to-day basis. It's pretty easy. So it seems like a lot of these tools that people put in place, it has more to do with the upper level people wanting to get visibility at what's going on on the, on the ground level. But... You don't really need that. Right. <laughs> That's usually too much information. People build systems because it fits them, not necessarily because it fits the time. Right. And I am very much of the mind that when you are creating these sorts of systems and building management platforms for your team, that you need to figure out which tools are the right tools for the right time. Because sure, you might need a slack down the road, but you probably don't need a slack right now. And if that's the case, don't build a Slack because you're just going to make everybody a little cranky that they have to add another team. And Joe is already on like 75. So don't add him to another one (laughs) if you don't need to because he's got plenty. I just made my own personal one. Did I tell you this? Well, and that's the difference though. Okay, you're going to tell me everything about that in one second. But there's a difference between (laughs) if if you want to build it for you and it doesn't bother anybody else. But the problem becomes when you build it for you and you put it on other people. And I did that when I was working as the creative director for that organization and I had a small team, I was using... Todoist, man, all of the all of the task managers having such similar names makes my brain hurt sometimes. Yes. I have to think to do, to doist. Yep. Uh, this is why I like OmniFocus. Different name. Yeah, that's it. A very different <laughs> name. Yes, yes. When I was using Todoist, and of course Todoist has collaborative tasks, which was one of the draws of me, was me thinking, Wow, if I ever want to add people to this, I certainly can. And guess what? As soon as I could add other people to it, I did. Yep. And we had all these team collaborative tasks that no one really asked for. And we actually had a physical project board in our office, which I've mentioned long, long ago on this show. We had a big wall that was entirely painted with that chalkboard paint. And uh, we would write all of our projects out on that chalkboard wall and then use sticky notes to create a bunch of tasks and move them around and do whatever we needed to. That was fine. I don't know why I thought that I also needed a digital task manager, especially when we were all basically in the same room every day from nine to five. Right. The reason is because I wanted it. Yeah. (laughs) Just like you said, you as the person who's running the show want to see everything in as detailed of a manner as possible. But 
no one needed that and no one really wanted that. What it ended up being was just more work for those people to constantly keep in their mind the idea that they had to check that task manager and check things off that were given to them. And, you know, every task I would assign to somebody. So we'd have a project with 10 tasks and three would be assigned to this person and three would be assigned to this person and, you know, so on and so forth. And that wasn't helpful, but I thought that that was what was good because it was a system that felt very organized, but I think that I just made people tired. I would not recommend doing that in the future, nor will I be doing that at any time in the future. And if my business grows to a point where everything that's in my brain needs to be dumped out and seen by somebody else, I'll figure that out when I get there. But as of right now, that's just not true. I can keep it in my head, no problem and give other people their tasks or delegated roles as they come up without without worry. I also don't think that everything that is done needs to be recorded. Like, I think that might be something that's kind of an, a new concept that's taken hold a little more than it should be. In the coffee shop, for example, um, we have a lot of small invoices to pay. Buy bread from somebody, and we have to pay the bread invoice. We buy groceries. I have to make sure that we're correctly invoicing for groceries. I do all that kind of stuff. And we have a manager at the coffee shop and I said, Hey, can you handle invoices? And that was it. Right. I don't need a weekly task that he checks off that says invoices managed. I don't need to create some sort of system that logs all of the different invoices. And, you know, I make sure he reviews it every week. I'm pretty sure that he's a capable person who can pay half a dozen invoices a week. And I'm pretty sure that I don't need anything more than that. And if an invoice doesn't get paid, I guarantee you that I will find out about that. And it won't be detrimental. It'll be somebody saying, hey, pay this invoice. That's going to be the alert that I need. I don't need a Trello alert or a Todoist alert that says, blink, you haven't paid the invoice, which more often than not will just mean you haven't checked off the box that says that you paid <laughs> right. the invoice, you know? Right. And I think that all of this, all of these systems sometimes can just create more clutter. And I am in the mentality of reducing down the clutter as much as possible, which you can do pretty simply by trusting people to do their jobs. Yeah, I think what a lot of people need to do is just figure out what kind of information they're trying to manage before they start choosing tools. Because, you know, you read all the articles about people are using Todoist to manage this team or they're using Trello this way. And, you know, that's great, but they had a need for it. And although it looks cool and it looks awesome, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need it in your team. Here's an example. So whenever I was putting together the tools for whenever I was bringing team members on, I ended up doing some mapping of sorts of, okay, well, what types of information do we need to be able to share? Well, I need to share projects. I need to be able to share client information. I need to be able to share passwords, like uh, login credentials for things. I need to be able to email people. <laughs> like We need an email account just to be able to have the accounts. And then we need to be able to communicate you know, on one-off things that doesn't need to persist long-term. So that meant that I had four tools, really, that I needed there. Email's pretty easy. You know, Pretty much everybody I know is setting those up on Google, so we do the same. We've got the discourse that we've talked about quite a bit for the long-term communications on projects. There's the rocket chat for the immediate piece, but then we use 1Password for all the login credentials because we're in and out of servers all the time. So I, I have to be able to share 
you know, the, the, the ins and outs of those. And I can control, you know, if those passwords are shared amongst the team or if they're on our own private setup. So anyway, we use that for password management, which I think is pretty common. I see one password used for teams quite a bit, but it's, that's pretty much it for us. You know, that is the sum total of the information that we need to share. Every once in a while, I'll have things where I need to know how many hours somebody put in on a project just because we've got hourly retainers on a monthly basis. So I have to have, you know, how many hours did you put in on this particular client? Like that type of information I need to use. But even that, like I'm not even dictating how they track that time. It's like, okay, I just need to know when you spent time on things. If you want to use Toggle for that, great. If you want to manually enter it into a Google spreadsheet, that's fine. I don't care. I just know that once a month I'm going to go through and tabulate the number of hours and that goes into the invoice. So those things I don't get too picky about because I just know from a broad level I just need the sum total. (laughs) That's all I need. So I, I try not to dictate as much as I can, but there are some things that I know we have to use. I guess one tool I haven't talked about is GitHub, but that's very developer specific. We have to have a way to share code back and forth. I'm not going to go into the details of that because I think that's probably outside the scope of this audience, but you know, that's pretty much it. It's not like we're managing, how are we doing from a project stance? Like this client, how are we doing on them? Like, well, I know if that project has been successful or not, just based on how many hours we put into it and what I charged for it. So I usually know the answers to all of those. At some point, I'll probably have to introduce a tool that does the project level tracking to know if we were successful on that and help us get better at quoting them. At some level, I'll have to do that whenever I start handing that side of things off. But right now, since I'm the only one that does that, I don't need a tool for that. I guess what I'm getting at is you you just have to know what types of information that you're sharing back and forth, but don't be putting tools in place and structures in place that are just there because you think you should. (laughs) That's where people tend to get in trouble, I think. By the way, yeah, even you talking about GitHub, I am the wrong audience. I don't ever (laughs) want to know anything about GitHub. Sure. On a more relatable note, uh, you had mentioned email earlier, and that's one of the ones that's a real challenge because it's hard to figure out how to share emails. And there's a few solutions to them that all feel kind of bad. The solution that I ended up doing, because it's not that big of a deal right now, but it might be later, and you might cringe at this, is I created a kind of shared email address for one of the businesses. Ugh. I knew I knew you would be not down for it immediately. A shared... Ugh. Gosh, man. I, you, let me finish the sentence, at least. <laughs> a shared email address. I'm just... I, I'm, I'm aching already. <laughs> yeah, that myself and a manager could get into. Because, I mean, I'm trying to make excuses for it. It just felt like the simplest solution. There's no real good reason that I did that. <laughs> um, have you heard of Spark for Teams? Spark for Teams. Like the smart Spark email client? Yeah, yeah. I, they, I've... I've, I think I saw it once. I didn't even click the link, so I don't even know what that looks like. I have not yet used it, but I, I might end up using it, and I'll, I'll report back. But okay. Spark, which has email apps for basically every Mac product, I think, they have created something in the newest version of Spark, which is whatever that is, 3.0. They basically let you share emails and comment on emails and create conversations around the emails with your team before you send it back. So it's sort of like they've created a mini Slack inside of your emails, which is 
kind of interesting to me, but I'm also a little worried that I'm doing it again and putting systems on people that they don't need, you know? Yeah. In this one example that I have, which is trying to figure out how to run a coffee shop, and we do get a decent amount of emails that do need to be talked about and figured out pretty quickly. I do see this as something that's kind of nice. Instead of creating these horrible forward chains that I feel like get a lot lost in translation, actually being able to share an email to a teammate, talk with that person via a little kind of Slack-ish chat, and then either pass the email off to them or send a reply that they can see. Like, I like that. I think that's pretty cool. And I think that that might be a good system for people who are saying, how in the world am I going to manage email at this point with a team? small or big so we use discourse to do that exact thing just saying <laughs> so what do you do do you copy the email into a discourse no so discourse has the ability to email into it oh okay so i have so we actually have two discourses i, I didn't really explain that because one of them's uh, client facing the other one's internal only the client facing one has the ability to send an email into it and when that email goes into it, it just shows up as like a private message in the discourse forum. And you can get that email to show up for a group of people. But once it shows up for that group of people, you can have what it calls whisper messages amongst your team. And it doesn't reply to the original client that sent the email in. So I'm in the process of doing this right now with one of my team members because he's going to start handling some of the client stuff. But whenever an email comes in, the two of us can have a hidden conversation amongst us. This client came to us through X, Y, and Z just because I know, you know Jay over here and you know we, we had a, a sidebar on the whole project and this is how you should handle this. And then he can go in, put in an actual reply to that message that then goes back to the client. And that whole conversation can maintain in a single thread and we can keep that whole thing going. And then he can ask me questions that the client doesn't see, but it's all maintained under one one location. So the email in and out piece, that's a lot of the back end of discourse. So you can use it as an email provider if you really wanted to. And I've got a couple of places where I do that, Bookworm being one of them. So you know, if you send an email to Bookworm, it actually goes to the discourse forum. It doesn't actually go to an email inbox anywhere. That's pretty nice. That's just how that thing works. So it's kind of cool, but... At the same time, it means that, yes, we're using email, but it, technically it's discourse. <laughs> so it's using, just using email addresses as the pass-through. And see, this is a great example where, for you, even if I find out Spark for Teams is awesome, I love the fact that what you've been able to do is condense the amount of tools that you have down to a very, very small amount. Like, it is much better that you are adding all of this stuff to discourse as opposed to asking people to use discourse and Spark right. and Rocket Chat and so on and so on and so on. I love when you're able to ask people for very, very simple requests and not make them add 70 apps to their phone. You know, that just isn't a very good structure. Right. That's asking to get things mismanaged in the future. Yeah. But again, I have to come back to... The advantage that I have here is that we build on discourse. So everybody that I bring on knows these features and they know how it works already. So it makes sense to just use it because we're already there. At the same time, we kind of have to. 
<laughs> so, you know, if we're going to build on discourse and, and sell around it, you have to use it. Like you have to use it on a daily basis if you're going to understand it at the level that you need to sell to your clients. So it's kind of a give and take there as well. Here's a weird question that is not exactly in the same vein of things, but in my mind is, okay. would you ever consider getting like an assistant or a full-time admin person? Uh, yes, but I don't think we're big enough for that. I think, you know, if we got to where we were doing twice as many uh, projects, I would maybe look at that for people to just help do cleanup and help, uh, you know, do the initial conversations, but not do the actual scoping of, you know, here's the list of questions that I always have to ask, or, you know, we're getting ready to do a deployment and all the follow-up pieces like those an admin could do, right. You know, simple things like payroll and such, like those things could be done by someone other than me. Like that type of thing could be done, but I don't think we're at the scale that that makes sense. Like the ROI on it isn't there, but I, I could see doing that. Right now, I think there's so much that's automated in that world that it's just not worth bringing someone on right now. Uh, just because, you know, it we're a team of developers, so whenever there's something that needs done or a thing that always happens in a certain way, instead of putting someone on it, we build a, a automation that takes care of it for us. So... It's easier for us to write code to solve the problem than it is to put a person on it, it seems like. I am the same way, although I think the difference between me and you is that you probably enjoy, I don't know if I'd say, I, I don't know if you'd say you enjoy, but you probably feel more capable of admin work than I do. <laughs> I just hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it so much. I'm not interested in it whatsoever. So I'm sort of the person who, as soon as that makes sense, I will do it. Sure. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, I could probably take on twice as much as this before I need that. I'm like, oh, man, if it works <laughs> out, if the numbers work out, you know, where I break even, I'm down to bring an admin person in because I, <laughs> I, I detest it so much. Fair enough. Do you think that's a worthwhile thing for people to do, even in small teams? Or do you think that that's a unnecessary expense? I think it depends on the nature of your business. You know, if it, it, here's an example, and this is where I think an admin may come in for us is whenever we finish a project and kick it out, I have like this 30-day period where we'll do some support on it free of charge. And I'm very particular about we're not adding features, we're just maintaining what's Right, there. right, right. So that's a whole debacle that you usually get into. But those conversations about things that need fixed that then need to be communicated to the right developer, fixed, and then communicated back to the client it's all pretty straightforward. You don't really need me for that, or you don't need the person in charge of the relationship to do that because it's it's pure back and forth. And you're just saying, okay, well, this is what's wrong. Get it to the right place. Get it fixed. And then say it's fixed. Like That's all you have to do. Um, there's a lot of that that goes on. I probably get around 30 to 40 emails on that in a in a day. Uh, so that type of thing I could see an admin doing, but overall it's maybe 30 minutes of my day, if that. So I don't see that as something that I would be willing to pay for right now to mm. get that 30 minutes back. Like there's not a huge return out of that 30 minutes that I see as something I want to do right now. So I think with 
small businesses and such, like you really have to think about, is it worth it to you to get it off your plate? Do you really despise it and you just really want it off your plate? Then sure, go for it. As long as it makes sense financially. I was about to say, but what if you hate that 30 minutes? You would would do that immediately. (laughs) And I think that actually a lot of that, um, when it gets down to um, financial administration, you this is should just be handled by a bookkeeper or an accountant, which I would definitely recommend everybody get right. ASAP. Uh, it's an important thing to have so that you don't find yourself in hot water down the line. Very, very important stuff. Yep, agreed. You've been working in these systems for how long now? Oh, we started doing the discourse piece. Uh, let's see, that would have been that's been going on a year ago, I think. Maybe not quite that. Um, but then I changed over the way that the business was operating and formally named it and such. You were, we did that whole thing here right. on whims. And whenever I did that, that's when I put the one password and the rocket chat and the email stuff in place. I think that was May. So that would be four or five months ago. How long did it take you to feel like you got the systems in place? Well, with the discourse side, it was probably about two weeks that we felt like we had a pretty good groove there the rocket chat took off almost right away like that was pretty quick as well the one password bit i had a little bit with people that not understanding like how it was syncing and how i was structuring things there so there was a little bit of that so that probably took about a month to get squared away but for the most part i mean it was just a matter of weeks whenever i put it all in place that it started to take off and things were in place to to communicate through those. So, but I'm dealing with guys who are very tech savvy, so they're very well versed in that sort of thing. Even still, though, I think that that is a hallmark of a good system. It's something that doesn't take that long to put into place. Sure. If you find that you're trying out something and in a month's time people still aren't adapting to it, that's probably not great. Right. And anything that should work in the long term should probably work within a very short period of time and should not take you that long to set up. And you guys are in this world where you're dogfooding the system that you're using since you work in discourse and you're, right. you're you're very knowledgeable of that system. But even still, I think that it shouldn't be that hard to have everyone adapt to the system that you've put in place. I think that if it's, if it's taking a long time, that's a, a big red flag. Right. The nice thing too is I don't really see... You know, I could see us getting to the point where I'm segmenting off the projects and trying to categorize them in different ways. Like maybe I segment off themes in one way and I have developers that only work on themes or only plugins or only WordPress or like I could see us segmenting those things off in the future. But right now we're not big enough to do that. But that's just purely like how you see the data. Like that's all it is uh, to help us grow. But I don't really see us, you know, if I tripled the number of developers that and clients and projects and stuff that we were working on, I don't really know that we would change a lot of the systems that we have. Mm. Like that's that's the thing that I like about it is that it seems like this team could grow tenfold. And from my stance, I don't see the the systems changing really a whole lot. Because I still don't want to manage task level. I still don't want to, to get too micromanage Like I don't want to get involved in that. So I don't really see it as changing a whole lot. So I feel like we're in a pretty good place 
Sounds awesome. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I aspire to be as put together as you someday, Joe. It's not a proven model yet. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs>